The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. So, uh, my name's Sam Cook. Um, I am Annika Leiter's uh, fiance. We, um, we are getting married in 11 days. I am pretty jacked. Um, I kind of wanted to explain uh, my, dirty, uh, my dirty beard. Uh, my entry requirement for my bachelor party is you have to have a mustache. Um, and so uh, I decided to grow the, the beard as well to shave into the mustache because it's pretty dirty to start out. Um, but the summer in, we're talking about this uh, biblical doppelganger, um, and it's it's kind of <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great picture right there. <laughs> and it's who it's who you're like in the Bible. Now it's a pretty humbling thing to compare yourself to one of the most famous and holy people in all of history. Um, and so yeah, I was a part of the Timber Army. Um, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I actually, uh, I think they won last week. I uh, beat the Sounders, but uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but this biblical doppelganger. Um, and so I chose David. Uh, the story of David has always kind of uh, been very dear to my heart. Um, I love the story because uh, here's David. He's, he's this man that's, that's very passionate. Um, and very just zealous for the Lord, and he goes for it, and he falls flat on his face so often. Um, but I just, I've always resonated with it. And I always love the story of his mighty men. Um, these are the dudes that are, that they would fight, and they would, they would stand up, and they're men of valor. And I always wanted to be that. I always, you know, I always wanted to get my sword and be like, I want to fight like that, man, but we, it doesn't really happen like that anymore. Um, so, I'm going to pray real quick, then we'll get into it. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for tonight. Um, I thank you for the people here. Uh, pray that we all have a safe 4th of July. Uh, go America. Um, be with us tonight. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, um, I want to start with the story of David and Goliath. Um, now, most of you have probably heard of, of the story of David and Goliath. You know, David's this this young teenage boy, and he goes out and he kills a giant, right? Um, but I want to kind of get into it. So David, it says, is a young man, um, most likely a teenager. And we can get that verse up there. Um, and I'll break into it. They tell him he's too young. They tell him he's not good enough. He's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. That he's going up against this giant that's been fighting since he's been born. And David, has got no chance. Um, so I'll start in, start in 28. Um, now, David had just ran up to the front line. His dad had sent him there. The army had been there for 40 days. The army had just been standing there. So they're on one hill. The Philistines are on another. Okay? And there's a valley in between them. And this guy named Goliath, he's coming out every day, every morning. And he's... He's mocking David's God, his culture, his community, his king, his family. Everything that David holds dear, this Goliath is mocking. 
is calling out. Is saying, man, you guys are trash. No one wants to fight me. Okay? So David shows up after 40 days of this. He's been out and being a shepherd. Okay? He shows up and he hears it once. And he's pissed. He's like, who is this guy calling out my people? My God, my living God. And so that's where we want to pick it up. Because when you do big things for the Lord, people are going to tell you, you're not good enough. You're, you're too young. You're, you're inexperienced. You don't know what you're talking about. And even people close to you. So, verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David had spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. I love this. I love that people are telling David, man, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't get it. This guy's too big. They're all focused on the giant. David's not focused on the giant. David's focused on his God. Because he believes that he's got a God that is living and bigger than any giant. And often we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by this, this giant in our own lives. By this idea of, of well, I, there's this problem, but I can't get over it. I can't do anything because it's too big. He's, he's, been, he's been there since I've been young. He, he, he knows too much. But David doesn't let that get to him. David goes on. And he says, he's now talking to Saul, the king, the king of Israel. Now, Saul is supposed to be the commander. He's supposed to be the stud, the champion. He, he should be going out and fighting the giant. But everything Saul says is laden with fear in here. Saul does not trust the Lord anymore. It says that earlier in the passages, it says the Lord left Saul. And Saul knows it. And so, fortunately my eyes are not that good. I have to get close. Um, <laughs> David says to Saul, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped a sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch, his sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. David said, man, i got to do me. I can't do Saul. I can't do the fighting army. Because, guys, when you decide to do something, when you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something big for the Lord, people are then going to jump in and say, well, you need, hold on. You're not good enough as you are. You need something more because, man, the, the Sam standing here, he's, ah, 
Man, you need to go, you need to go to do more schooling. You need to go, um, go to more conferences. You need to go do this or this or this or this before you can do something. Um, and I've never really bought into that. David didn't buy into that. Um, I kind of want to let you guys in a little bit on my story. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I have two parents that love me, that love each other, and love Jesus. It's pretty unique, and it's, I'm, I'm pretty lucky with that. Uh, the Lord kind of took hold of my heart uh, my junior into senior year in high school. Uh, I was on a missions trip in a country called Slovenia, um, and he changed my world there. Uh, into early college, I, was, I told Annika this story. It was kind of funny. I, I was a little bit zealous, a little bit passionate. I, I was in a public speaking class. At, I went to Western Oregon, so state school, smaller, but still very secular. And I had to give a persuasive speech. So I decided to give it on the divinity of Jesus based on the idea of who would die for a lie. And it's on this book called uh, More Than a Carpenter by James McDowell. I look back and it's kind of it's kind of funny. I mean, like you got a little freshman in college giving a speech on the divinity of Christ, but <laughs> I don't know, yeah, whatever. So my sophomore year, uh, I played football there, and uh, athletes got there a uh, month and a half before school started. Okay, uh, my friend, uh, her name was Kristen. She played soccer, and uh, she comes up to me and a couple guys and says, "Let's start a Bible study." I just feel like the Lord's leading me to do that. I said, okay, let's go. And so we start this Bible study. And it's cool. It's fun. You know, there's 10, 15 people coming. It's good. It's, you know, whatever. Well, winter starts coming around. And it, it's like here. It's been cold. And it's been raining for about four months. And it just sucks. And you look around. And it's the same five people for the past month. And I still remember the Bible study where I looked around and I, I looked at them all in the eye and I said, okay, we've got to get down on our knees and we've got to pray. We've got to pray that we reach our campus and be lights to the people around us. And then we have to have action with that. We have to invite two people that we don't think would ever come to Bible study. Ever, they would never step foot. And then we wrote down who we were going to invite and we did it. Two weeks later, there's 30 people at Bible study. Um, and from that time, it, it just grew and grew and grew uh, to where we had to move it and move it again. And then it was at my house, and we had, like, a big family room. There was, like, five couches. And then people were packed on there, and the floor was packed, and standing in the kitchen and standing along the wall. And it wasn't because myself or Kristen or, or any of the other speakers are so eloquent or, or so knowledgeable of the Bible. It wasn't that. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just a bunch of kids. But we loved the Lord, and we wanted the people around us to love the Lord. And so we, we spoke and, and talked and, and loved people, and it was cool. It was fun. It was great. So let's talk about the bad now. Because I'm not up here to tell you that, oh, well, the Lord uses these amazing people, and um, they're just, you know, God only handpicks the good people. God chooses the most broken and screwed up people, and I, I still don't get it why, but he does, and he does big things with them. Let's go with David and Bathsheba. Let's go to 2 Samuel 11, 1. Uh, it's just a little passage. And for some, it might just go by, but um, I kind of liked it. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him. 
and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. The significance of that. In that culture, in that time, kings went out with their armies. Kings were their leaders, their commanders, the men, the, the guys that the, all the army looked to. And David decided not to go. Now, maybe he'd done that for many years, but this is the first time he was mentioned. And I envisioned David just being like, nah, I got some king things. I don't, I, I think I'm just going to hang out at the palace. Well, idle hands are never good. David's walking around on top of his palace. He sees a babe. She's naked. And he's like, she's hot. He's the king, so he can pretty much do whatever he wants. He calls her up to the palace. He hooks up with her, gets her pregnant. And then he's like, crap, I'm screwed. Her husband was in his army. Her husband was one of his mighty men. His name was Uriah the Hittite. Uh, And he was a stud. And so David tries to figure out how to cover this up. He calls Uriah from the battlefield. And he asks him a bunch of questions. How's the the army? How's Joab? You know, all that kind of stuff. Then he gives him a little wine, gets him a little drunk, and says, hey, why don't you go home? You know, sleep with your wife. Um, Do that kind of thing. So that he would cover it up that David had knocked her up. Okay? This is David's plan. Well, Uriah is righteous. Uriah doesn't go home. He sleeps at the gate. Okay? And when David hears about it, he goes, Uriah, why, what's up, man? Why don't you go home? Your wife's hot. I mean, come on. And Uriah, Uriah's answer was, how can I go sleep with my wife, enjoy my house, when the Lord's army is sleeping under the stars, and Joab, my commander, is also sleeping under the stars? It's got to be a little convicting to David. Sleeping in his palace, hooking up with chicks. I mean, it kind of sucks. So what David does is writes some orders, rolls them up, gives them to Uriah, says, give these to Joab. In the orders it says, put Uriah at front. When the fighting's the most intense, pull away from him. Let him be killed. So Uriah carries his own death sentence to Joab. And it happens, and Uriah dies. I don't want to focus on that, though. I want you to know the backstory, but I don't want to focus on it. Because what happens later is so much more important. David is doing his king thing, okay? And all of a sudden, this prophet comes up to him. Now, David is law. Whatever David wants to do, he can do. If he wants to kill someone, he can kill him. If he wants to let someone live, they live. David is law. This prophet comes up to him and says, David, look what you've done. David very easily could have ran. David could have sent that prophet to jail. David could have had him killed. David could have done anything like that. But instead, he repented. He fell flat on his face. If you've ever read the Bible, Psalms, half of Psalms is David weeping. Okay? David repented. And so often in our lives, when we screw up, We feel it. We know it. We want to run. We don't want to be around people. We don't want to, if we're part of Greek team, we don't want to be in Greek team. People will know what I did and ah, I can't have that. So I got to go. If I'm part of pack, I got to go. I can't be there. We run. It's a little bit of dirty in my life. Um, 
It was a couple of years ago, uh, New Year's Eve. Got blacked out drunk, um, made some really bad decisions. Um, it wasn't necessarily the first time I got I drank too much, and it wasn't the first time I made bad decisions when I drank. But for whatever reason, this time, uh, the devil pulled out a, a nice, big, shiny black arrow, let it fly, and he pierced me hard. Okay, I was hurt. I was feeling dirty. I was feeling ashamed. Um, I remember going to Bible study and just feeling so unworthy to even step foot in there. Not alone being a, a leader. It was like sitting around, looking around and saying, my God, why would you put me in any kind of position? There's so many other men here that could lead better than me. I, I am dirty. I need to get out of here. And I went upstairs, and, and it's now meeting in a church, okay? We had a missionary come from Corvallis, and he said, Hey, I don't know anybody here, but I heard about, I heard about this Bible study. I want to come and help. He's, you know, low 30s, and it's like, All right, cool. You know, you can help. And so Scott now is pretty much preaching every night. We have a missionary. We have a full band. I mean, it's like a mini inn. Okay, Western's only about 5,000 students, so a little bit smaller, okay? <clears throat> and this church, I go upstairs, and there's this room. It's, it's got a big window, okay? It overlooks the, the sanctuary, and I go up there to pray every once in a while. And I'm up there, and I'm literally on my face. And I'm saying, my God, if you still send angels, send an angel now. If you still talk to people, talk to me now, because I'm lost. I can't do this. I don't know what to do right now. And I'm in the darkness. The, the, the room's dark. And I look over in the hallway and standing in the light. Lord's funny. He's, he's got a sense of humor. Symbolism. Is this guy named uh, Zach. And Zach's one of the most soft-spoken men I've ever met. He's not a, a traditional college student. Uh, he's late 20s. Um, and he truly... Like, it's like, oh, hey, Zach, how's it going? He's like, oh, hey, Sam. Sam, how's it going? It's good to see you. It's like, Zach, I can't hear you. What are you saying? Except when Zach prays. Um, you see, Zach and, and the missionary Scott, uh, they had started to pray for people at the Bible study. And the Lord had almost given them a, a prophetic view of people's lives and allows them to see into people's sin, and, and it releases people. Um, and it's pretty cool. And it's just, they pray for him and lay hands on him. And it's, it's just really cool. And Zach and, and Scott have been like, hey, man, we want to pray for you. And I'm like, heck no. You're going to see how dirty I am and you're going to kick me out. And I was running for, I was avoiding them. Like, like the plague, avoiding them. And so he, he, I see him, I say, hey, Zach, how's it going? He goes, oh, hey, Sam, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you in here. I'm like, no, Zach, Zach, come sit down, it's cool, man. So he comes and he sits down, and uh, we start making small talk, and he goes, Sam, can I pray for you about anything? Nine times out of ten, I would have said, Zach, you know, I just, I'm struggling, I need strength. I need, you know, I just feel weighed down, and I, I just need strength, I need a, a fresh breath. But because my heart was so raw, I looked at him, I said, Zach, I'm dying. I screwed up. I got super drunk. I made bad decisions. I, 
I'm hurting. Zach started praying for him. And when Zach prays for you, um, his vernacular changes. He says, the Lord wants you to know. And he says, Sam, the Lord wants you to know he sees your heart. He loves your heart. He sees you standing in the stream. And it's going this way. And you're going that way. Keep fighting. And he said these things for 10, 15 minutes. And at the end of it, he says, Sam, the Lord wants you to know he could have brought so many words of condemnation. So many words of judgment to you tonight. And they all would have been true. And they all would have been worthy of of being said. But he didn't. The only thing he brought to you was love. The only words he brought was love. That's a God I follow. That's a God that I want others to follow. Um, And as I get older, I I realize how much um, we can't do this life alone. I look at David, and, and David didn't do it alone. David was surrounded by mighty men. Um, if you guys have Bibles at home, go home and read um, in Second Samuel and read about David's mighty men. Uh, there's one story that I love, and uh, it's talking about a dude named Eliezer. And it says, when the entire Israelite army melted away before the Philistines, he stood his ground. And he fought until his hand was frozen around the sword. And the army came back only to strip the dead of the guys that he had killed. I mean, that's pretty cool. When everyone else runs away, he stood and he fought. Be that man. Be that woman that stands and fights. When you're in a a fraternity or sorority, and it's like, well, that's just how it is. It's just dirty. It's ugly. But you know what? It's just, that's the Greek system. Man, stand up and fight. Don't, don't accept that. I don't accept that. When you live in a house with roommates and, and man, they just, they do their thing. You say, well, that's just who they are. Man, don't accept that. In love, fight against that. Prayer. Prayer is probably the most important thing um, that I want you guys to get away from this. Um, if we don't pray and be people that pray and surround us with people that pray, uh, our lives are so much harder. Um, when the Lord puts something on your heart, don't just run out and try to think that you can, you can conquer the world on it. Talk to people. Talk to Ryan. Talk to Annika. Talk to Sherms. Talk to Janie. Talk to whoever and pray. Okay? And change the world. And you know, I'll let you guys in a little bit. One of the things that made me fall for Annika was that I told her I thought I could change the world. She said, me too. And if the world is five people, change those five people. And if it's a hundred, change a hundred. And if it's a thousand or ten thousand, change it. doesn't matter. Don't put, don't put restrictions on yourself because the Lord doesn't put restrictions on you. So, I'm going to close with a prayer, and then we're going to ask some questions, and you guys can talk among yourselves for a little bit. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to talk tonight. Um, I pray for the hearts here tonight. I pray that uh, you would move in them, Lord God, and you would give them the courage to know 
Lord, that they are powerful in you, uh, that they can change those around them, Lord God, that they can be used and they can use, be used powerfully, Lord God. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the end. Uh, what an amazing place this is. Uh, be with us. Go America. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, we are going to have you guys in you know small groups, uh, threes or fours or fives or whatever, people around you. Um, and we want you to talk about, for about five minutes, um, either what did you connect with with David's story or how do you want to see God work. Um, and just, just talk among yourselves. I mean, whatever. Whatever you want to say. You can talk about Fourth of July if you don't have anything else to say. So, yeah.